Hello, Julia. Hello. Hello. Hey, listen, um, the big story all of yesterday was the announcement or the proclamation. I'm going, sounds like Armistice Day, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Peter McBride and Miles Hurrell at the Fonterra AGM told farmer shareholders that the co-op was likely to set a target for uh, carbon emissions, which would encompass the company uh, being responsible for everything, including the farmers. And then they go on to say 73% of global consumers found sustainability pledges important uh, when buying dairying. And, it's, and this has sparked quite a debate on Twitter amongst rural Twitter, and you've been involved in this with uh, a lot of the leading uh, proponents, if you want, on Twitter about where we sit with this. And I know you've just come back from a fact-finding mission in the US. How seriously should farmers treat this message, the shot across the bowels from Fonterra? I think we've got to be really careful that we don't think it's a judgment call. So this isn't Fonterra going, they didn't wake up one day and go, oh, well, you know, carbon's obviously a thing we need to focus on it. This is business. This is as simple as business. There are customers that are the premium customers that pay the most for the product have said to them, we are going to set a target. So therefore, when you're a customer, (laughs) so when you're a supplier to that customer, then we are going to have to set a target. So this is, this is very, it's just business. It's the whole idea is, and Pete uh, had a really good comment too around market access. So there's a whole lot of protectionism around the countries. Uh, you know, geopolitical pressure, it, it's kind of infighting. I mean, it's, 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 I guess it's modern day war really. And it's, the, the risk we've got is these countries will come up with something. So this will become a weapon. <laughs> so climate has already become a weapon. Um, where countries say we won't let your product in because of these three things and they'll just make up some sort of uh, non-tariff barrier around climate and that's why we're pushing so hard and that's why the likes of Pete talked about it being we have to make sure that we're positioned in front ahead of that. Miles talks about it being a customer-focused thing to make, to make sure that we continue to make money, to make sure that we continue to have workable profits. And I know this has been a really hard year and I'm sure there's lots of people flicking me the bird in the background. Um, but it's, it's, we are still getting incredibly good prices and we don't want to put that at risk. We don't want to end up as a budget bargain basement product. Yeah, but Julia, to play devil's advocate, how do you reconcile that with the fact that we are the producer of dairy products, uh, the world's best producer of dairy products at the moment with the lowest carbon footprint? So we're already ahead of the curveball. Yeah, but when you're looking at scope three, so scope three is kind of like the stuff that you're not directly responsible for but goes into your product. And although we're the most effective, they'll be looking at the total volume of scope three emissions. And because we are a large producer, well, we, we produce mostly. We're not super large around the world, but we, you know, we produce a lot. Then those emissions that come from those animals, unfortunately, will be recorded. So hence, the targets will come in. And it's look, it's I'm not saying this is fair, and I'm not saying this is rational, and I'm not saying that hey, let's just you know kiss each other and get on with it. Why well, am actually saying that? We do need to just get on with it. But the reality of it is, we live in a very irrational world right now. And trying to rationalise it and look for fairness in it before we act and move is just going to put us behind the eight ball and we can't afford to be there. We've actually got to be listening to the signals. This isn't, again, this is not a judgement call. Miles didn't wake up one day, hug a tree and decide that he was concerned about climate change. This is purely a business decision based off business factors that have come into play. So when your biggest customer, so if your biggest advertiser for the country came to you 
and said, I need you to do X, Y, Z differently, I'm pretty sure NZME would not necessarily be saying, no, sorry, you go away. You know, like, this is business. This is how it works. Julia, uh, sorry, earlier in the week, Beef and Lamb New Zealand came out with their methodology for measuring uh, methane emissions, and they're saying if we use the... And what is it, GWP, the star system? Yeah, G- GWP star as opposed to GWP WG 100. It's all very confusing. <laughs> then we find that, for instance, most sheep and beef farmers in this country are already carbon neutral or positive. Isn't that the end of the argument? Yeah, it should be. But then who recognises that? So, if the, again, if we come back, so if, say, Nestle is an example, and, OK, they're not buying sheep and beef, but whoever a big customer would be um, for red meat... Um, if they then don't recognise that measure, then it becomes irrelevant. Like, yes, that probably is the most fair measure because it actually looks at the netting out of your total farm. But the unfortunate thing is right now that if that isn't recognised internationally by other governments, so therefore for market access, and it's not recognised by customers, then it becomes just a New Zealand-focused thing. We export everything. We have to be really clear about meeting the expectations of the global market, not expecting them to meet ours. And, and, and again, it comes back to lack of fairness, and it might seem really irrational, but unfortunately that's exactly how the market is operating. Hey, what about the farcical example we had last week of the oat milk? Uh, the oats were grown in New Zealand, flown to Sweden uh, to be processed. We're going to have our own oat milk factory in Southland, by the way, shortly, yep. which is good. And then flown back over here, and then they're, they're, they're tagged as zero carbon because they've gone and bought some trees as an offset. Yeah, offsetting is pretty uh, interesting. I, I, my personal value is not reflecting anyone else's. I don't like offsetting. I think it's Catholicism. I think you sin and then you repent, and I don't believe in that. Maybe just don't sin first. And, um, and I think... What I'm hearing out of COP27, which, yes, again, there'll be a few more birds getting flipped at the radio because of this, um, that there is a lot of talk around it's just greenwashing. So when you offset, you're simply greenwashing. So there's going to be a whole lot of conversations that come back from that around investors, around um, bankers, all these things that offsetting isn't necessarily going to be the panacea of the future. It was never meant to be the end game. It was meant to be a transitional game. And there's whole, all sorts of scary stories where countries are double accounting for it. So you account for it as a company, I account for it as a country, but there's actually no change. So instead of it being net zero, now the talk is it needs to be zero. So zero warming. So how oh, do we oh, do that? All right, just to finish on, I want to get your comments on comments made by another really good commentator, just like yourself, Julia. And this is Keith Woodford, Professor Keith Woodford, and I reckon uh, he's got a pretty good handle on that, and he's given it to the government big time, I think, in his rural news column about how they've completely cocked up the messaging around Hewak Ekanoa. Do you agree with him? Who oh, wouldn't? You know, like, I think it's... Um, and, I, and I don't want to get into anti-government because I don't like governments anyway, but I think the key here is that it was handled in a way that didn't support those that were supporting it. It lost trust and they lost hearts and minds. And it was really disappointing. And it was really sad for those who were, weren't for it. And it was really sad for those who were for it. I think we all, one thing we shared over this period of time is a great sense of disappointment. Hey, Julia, um, it's, we've got a beautiful day in Queenstown. This is absolutely paradise here today, but we're hearing all sorts of weather stories about the North <laughs> Island. How are things in Eureka? We've got a bit of rain. I must admit, listening to the intro firstly, I thought, well, at least I've got a terrible sounding voice, so you, you always sound brilliant next to me. And <laughs> secondly, um, oh, it just sounded glorious. 
It's it's pretty wet and windy. I'm not sure if it's really cold. You know when you go from like 23 degrees to like 18, you think it's cold? But um, we're certainly getting our fill of rain again today. As long as it's not good. Uh, as long <laughs> as it's good when we head up for field days at the end of the month, Julia. Oh, it's guaranteed to be amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Julia Jones, from our uh, head of analytics from NZX, appreciate your time. And this is a really good debate, and it's an interesting debate, and it's been quite a positive one on Twitter this morning. It's well worth going and having a look at it.